Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. For those of you who are keeping score from last week's episode, today is the last day of Archie in the Cone before he hey, gets his stitches go. out there tomorrow. Uh, so there may, yeah, there may be some added sound effects later, but uh, right now he's currently just resting nearby. Okay. So uh, it's July 25th, and we are now officially into football season. That's right, that's right. It is time for part one of our mega, super, huge, extravaganza college football and NFL and ASU and everything 2019 football preview. Now, Pac-12 Media Day came and went, and there was some news out of Media Day. Um, You know, the conference preseason rankings came out, the conference uh, first and second team votes came, preseason came out and yep. uh the pac-12 announced that they're going to move the title game to las vegas yeah yeah for a couple years um I, you know i we have talked about it before and i think we both thought you know it was it was such an obvious choice and i, I mean I, I don't think there's anything negative to say about it i mean I, whether it will work as well as the basketball tournament that's still to be determined there are some notable differences from the basketball tournament. You know, one being that, you know, the basketball tournament, all 12 schools know they're going. So if you're a fan, you can plan to be there. The football game, obviously, only two of the 12 are going to make it, and you may not know until the week before. Um, but I still think it's a good idea to do. Um, and has the best chance of succeeding of, of any place on the west western part of the U.S., basically. You have... The convenience of being a direct flight away from the major airport of each city, uh, I'm sorry, of each college's primary city, you know, Denver, Salt Lake City, Tucson, Phoenix, LA, the, you know, San Francisco, uh, Portland, and Seattle. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and it's a good, I mean, look, it's a tourist spot. Uh, you know, I know Vegas, Vegas isn't what it was 20 years ago. It's, you know, it's, it's gotten, uh. You know, it's it's become uh, probably you know Vegas is is somewhat like what soccer fans I think feel, fear about what soccer will be if it ever gets too popular, which is the diehard Vegas people think, oh God, you know, all these people have taken over. But that's the way it is. Things become popular and then they they kind of lose their edge a bit. But it's still a you know it's a fun place to go. It's become more family friendly certainly than it used to be. Um, and there's there's always something going on. There's always some entertainment, concerts, shows, gambling, whatever. Um, and so it's not going to be as hard to convince people to go to Las Vegas as it is to go to San Francisco, San Jose, Oakland, which is, a, you know, an expensive city to go to uh, and stay in and, you know, not the easiest place to get to, in all honesty, from, as you said, you know, Arizona, Seattle, Oregon. I mean, it, you know, you could do it, but it's not that easy to do and that stadium's not that easy to get to because it's yes it's san francisco but it's not really san francisco well and that to me is actually the key value add of this deal which is the state you know presumably you are going to stay on the strip if you go to the conference sure. title game now in vegas the yeah. stadium is not that far from the strip it is not hard it's to not. get to yeah it's not no no i mean you know that's that's the nice thing about it i think it's I think it's an obvious good move. I think it's a better move than going to L.A. I mean, I know the L.A. stadium is supposed to be incredible. 
but you have to you have to look at it from the standpoint of you've got a football fan base or conference fan base, not just football, that isn't the most passionate. I mean, this is not the SEC. It's not even the Big Ten or the Big Twelve. Um, and and so you need to you need to do something to appeal to people beyond just hey come see our football game. Well, Vegas accomplishes that. L.A. really doesn't. L.A. is sprawling. The traffic's a nightmare. There's you know four or five different airports uh, you know to go into. I mean it, it's it's intimidating honestly if you're thinking do I really want to go to L.A. to see that game now? You know I, I think the stadium is going to be incredible, but I don't think that should be the main point of attraction for this game. Now, for the NFL teams, for the Super Bowl, sure. But this game is working from a different standpoint than those games are. Absolutely agreed. Uh, The other big news out of Media Day in the non-pick realm was the coaches all agreed uh, to be open to an early kickoff time window commensurate with the early kickoff of all the other conferences out east yeah yeah uh, i don't know what you think about it i think it's great i mean i don't you know i don't think every game's going to be in that window but i think having a few why not like you know i, I mean i guess my thought was this if you're going to complain about the late starts you have to be open to different possibilities to fix that and this is a this is a possibility to to not totally fix it but to at least address it Partially. Here's what I'll say. Early in the season, <coughs> you, you fans in Boulder and on the Palouse, get ready because that's going to be your time slot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not going to be Arizona, um, you know, because you're going to have a hard time getting people to go to a game at 9 a.m. in September in Tucson or Phoenix, because by the time it gets to the second half, it's going to be brutally hot. And, and it's already hard enough to keep people in the seats for the second half, you know, when the game starts at night. Uh, so I don't think you'll see that much, but yeah, you know, you'll, you'll see it in the nicer weather places, um, the mountain time zone. I mean, uh, you know, probably more realistically, you're going to see it in Boulder and Salt Lake and Tucson and Phoenix later in the year when the weather's nicer, you might see it when we switch to mountain time. Mm-hmm. Um, because then it's 10 a.m. instead of 9 a.m. And again, I, I, you're probably talking about three or four games total, I would guess. I mean, I, I doubt you're even really talking about one a week. But, it, you know, it's, it's still a way to try to address a problem that everybody has agreed is a problem. And that is getting exposure, getting, you know, TV windows that people on the East Coast are going to see. Well, that's it. You know, you put a game at noon Eastern right after game day ends. And you'll have a lead into it. People watch game day, and then it's, you know, oh, I'm going to watch this game on Fox. I'm going to watch this game on ESPN. Get the Pac 12 in that. Can't hurt, I don't think. No, I, I'm with you on that. I also think that at least it's some creative thinking from the yes. conference. You know? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, we've spent a fair amount of time this offseason and before being critical of, of, you know, Pac-12 leadership and, and decisions made and the network and all of that's fair. But both of the news items of, of, you know, yesterday that came out, I think are great decisions. The Vegas one to me is a no-brainer. This one, the you know, potential early kickoffs is, is a creative thought that I think has merit and you give it a shot. And if it, and if it blows up, it's, you know, okay, at least you tried something. Uh, you know, like, 
I guess I, I kind of wonder, I saw some people, you know, sarcastically brushing it aside. I'm like, well, what, what do you want? Because you complain about how the Pac-12 doesn't get exposure. And then they try to, you know, suggest something that may increase that exposure. And then it's, oh, God, they're just flailing at ideas. Well, yeah, that's what a lot of ideas are. They're, they're born out of desperation. Well, they're, the other thing is they're already in the other time slots. They, the conference sure. has done what it can with the late kickoff. There's, there's not a whole lot more you can do than try to brand the Pac-12 after dark you right. know, moniker right. and, and roll with been, it. Which has been successful for you know, the, the diehards, uh, the people on the West Coast. Um, you know, but at the same time, it, it, you know, it, I don't think it's arguable. It has not been successful nationally um because you know you're putting i mean you're a great example of it how many pac-12 games that aren't featuring asu because you're watching asu are you going to watch that start at 9 30 or 10 o'clock your time on a saturday night probably not that many Uh, to to completion is zero yeah yeah Yeah. you might watch the beginning of the first quarter um i might throw it on the radio for, right. you know, while I'm getting I mean, ready for even, bed. There's ASU games where you have to make that decision. We've talked about it, you know, before the game, like, well, if it's if it's not going well, you know, probably not going to make it. And I never blame you because it's hard for me to make it. And I'm on the same time as them, you know. I mean, but especially in the, in the you know, at the end of the year when we're on mountain time. And, I mean, that Oregon game last year kicked off at, what, 8.30 our time? Mm-hmm. So 9.30 your time, that's that's hard to get people to, to, you know, yeah, 8.30 is not bad, but when you're staying up till 12.15 to see the end of a four-hour, nearly four-hour game, that's difficult. Um, you know, especially if you're trying to get football fans who want to be up early the next morning to watch the NFL. So, it, it, you know, to me, this is just, it's it's an obvious move. I mean, the, the thing that the thing that the Pac-12 is, is missing now, and I guess it's just the nature of the TV deals, is when we were growing up, when we were in college even, the Pac-12 always had a marquee game on ABC in the afternoon, and now that doesn't happen anymore. And I guess that's part of the TV deal. But you know, USC was always on there, or so, you know, there was Oregon in their day. That, that window's gone, and so it seems like all the games are late. So you know, if you can get in a window at, at you know nine a.m. Pacific or ten a.m. Mountain, why wouldn't you give that a shot? Yeah, and maybe you get the you know not every week, but maybe you can bump one. Big Ten game off of the ESPN, ESPN2, ABC rotation. Right, right, yeah. You know, I mean, I've noticed uh, the last few years that, and and I think we've talked about this, that, you know, the early games have gotten weaker. Uh, You know, the, the, the first block of games, a lot of times you're struggling to find a really good game. But, but it seems like the, the, you know, the ball is shifting back on that. Fox has really made a big focus this year on having some of their biggest games in that noon Eastern window. They, they already said they're putting Michigan, Ohio State on there. They put Texas, Oklahoma on there. Uh, they want to have, you know, bigger games in that very first window rather than prime time. So, you know, maybe the, the shift is coming back to try to get games into that window that are bigger and not just the, you know, the, the kind of warm-up act for the night game. Um, and so if the Pac-12 could be, you know, on the front end of that, why not? And, and you know, I don't know if it's going to be a home run idea, but, uh, you know, at least you're swinging. At yeah. least you're not just standing there saying, well, we got all these late kickoffs. That sucks. We'll do something about it then. And, and this is the attempt to do that. Yeah. The flip side uh, of the Pac-12 doing something positive is, 
it appears from everything I've seen that there's been zero progress on a Pac-12 network TV deal. No, not a bit. Not a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just uh, more of the same. I, I, you know, at this point, it's it's like, uh, you know, I don't even think there's any any attempt to make progress. Um, you know, there was hope a few years ago when AT&T bought DirecTV because AT&T was, a, was you know, a partner of the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. But nothing came of that. And, and in fact, you know, it, it went the other way. AT&T dropped Pac-12 Network. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you're, a, you're an example of uh, their, their other uh, TV providing service uh, now doesn't have Pac-12 either. So, yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, just continues to be that. But, but again, you know, with this, if they can get a game on Fox or one of the ESPN channels or something uh, at, at, you know, 9 a.m. Pacific, then I think you got to do it um, because, you know, the Pac-12 network has been an, a, a flop. I don't think there's much arguing that. I mean, I suppose the, the, the suits in, you know, Walnut Creek would, would disagree. But, um, you know, the common fan, I think, would generally say it's been a flop. So you got to do what you, what you can. And maybe this is a small move of progress, at least toward getting a little bit more national exposure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, on that uplifting note, let's talk about the Pac-12 football as opposed to the Pac-12 overall uh, football operation. Uh, So as a recap, in 2018, Washington beat Utah 10-3 to win the conference title. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was was a barn burner. And the only touchdown was an interception return by uh, Byron Murphy. So, yeah, it was uh, an ugly game played in front of a very small crowd there in Santa Clara. And, yeah, it, it was kind of a fitting capper to an ugly season for Pac-12 football. Um, final records, really, Washington, Washington State, Stanford, and Oregon were the flag bearers yeah. in the north as they're projected to be again. Uh, yeah. And Utah in the south was the only team with more than eight wins uh, over the course yeah. of the entire season. Um, yeah, yeah. Overall, the conference wound up with seven bowl-eligible teams out of the 12, which is not great average yeah yeah i mean you know you you should end up with uh you know just just by the very nature of non-conference wins plus you know somebody's got to beat somebody you should always end up with at least six so yeah seven was uh was not great uh you know arizona obviously to our delight uh could have made it eight but did not with their loss at the end usc uh kind of fell apart in in the end and ended up not making a bowl ucla was a was a disaster for most of the year, although showed some life at the end. Yeah, they, uh, they wound up know. ahead of Colorado, who went two and yeah. seven in conference after Colorado going three and zero outside was, of conference. Yeah, and Colorado was what five and zero, weren't they? And then yeah. lost seven in a row to end the year. We've been uh, we've so, been similar. We can feel well, that. Yeah, too. we have. Yeah, and uh, cost their coach their job, and they have a new coach now. Uh, I think if I'm unless I'm forgetting, is he the only new coach in the conference? Uh, I, be- I believe that that is right. Um, Clay yeah, Helton, no, the, the Clay, Clay Helton, the, the Clay Helton yeah. watch is on yeah, at USC. Yeah. Mel Tucker might not be the only first year coach by the end of the season in the conference, but he goes into the season that way. Uh, the 2019 preseason media poll came out. The North was divisive among the media. Yeah. Uh, Oregon and Washington, each with 17 first place votes, and Wazoo picked up one, but it went on points. Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Wazoo, Cal, Oregon State in the North, 
In the South, consensus pick was Utah with 33 of the 35 first place votes. USC in second picked up the other two. ASU and UCLA tied at third. And then Arizona with Colorado bringing up the rear. The one thing I thought was interesting, though, is when they went through the championships, Mm -hmm. 12 people picked Utah, 11 picked Oregon, 9 picked Washington. But both people who voted USC to win the the South picked them to win the conference title game. Really? Really? Yeah. And And the person who picked Wazoo picked them to win the conference title game as well. Boy, I mean, I think if you're picking USC, you are either picking just based on the brand that it's that it's USC, or you are really a believer that this new offense with Graham Harrell at the at the helm after Cliff Kingsbury left him at the altar is is going to be an immediate impact because their early schedule is brutal, and and it's just I mean you look, looking I'm looking at their schedule right now they start with a pretty good Fresno State team a team that that we know um, you know beat us and was was you know the clearly the better team in that bowl game. Then they got Stanford. Then they go to BYU. Then they got Utah. Then at Washington. Then at Notre Dame. So I mean, it's going to take a lot for them to be three and three at that point. I think three and three would be an accomplishment at that point. I mean, I realistically, I think you could see one and five and not be surprised at all. Yeah. Well, and if that happens, Helton's gone. Um, I think so. Harold might be the interim head coach at that he point. He might be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just think you are you are banking on. And now they did. They had a bizarre off season where they had a bunch of guys seemingly ready to leave, and then one by one, most of them decided to come back. Uh, it, you know, and they, they got a couple transfers as well. I mean, at one point, it seemed like every one of their receivers was going to leave, and then little by little, you know, there was news. This guy's no, he's going to stay. And this guy's going to stay. And all in all, they you know they didn't turn out too bad. Um, but it just, you know, they were five and seven last year, and that is a really rough start to the season. Uh, I mean, you know, they get four. So three of those games are at home, but I'm not sure that matters. Uh, not if they're not good. <laughs> right. When USC is, is average, that's not that great of a home field advantage. Um, and, you know, I mean, Fresno State could beat them on that opening night. Uh, you know, I don't know how good Fresno's going to be this year. Obviously, teams change from year to year, but that was a pretty darn good team last year. And, you know, they were they were better than USC last year. I don't think there's any question about that. Whether they are this year, I'm not sure. But it wouldn't be stunning if they beat him on the first weekend. Well, let's do this. Let, I, I think that the way, at least I envisioned this, was let's go through yes. our rankings. Okay. And then we'll sort of give either quick takes or in-depth takes on, on each team. Sure. All right. Um, so let's start in the north. For me... I went Oregon one, and Justin Herbert I have as my offensive player of the year for the conference. Okay. I'm going Wazoo two. You know, I I I know we've got a new quarterback, but the quarterback is both the most and least important part of that system because it seems like anyone can come in and be quarterback. You yeah, know. it never seems to matter with Mike Leach. I mean, he, you know, he finds somebody who can play, and they put up monster numbers. Uh, then I have Washington and Stanford. I have fourth, and you know what? It, yeah. My here's my note. This is the note I wrote for Stanford. The North is tough, and someone has to be fourth. Uh, yeah, and I agree <laughs> with you. I mean, those those are four good teams. I, I'm I'm with you on the top four. Slightly different order. I wrestled back and forth between Oregon and Washington. And it's, it's funny because a week ago I was thinking about this and I was thinking, 
think I'm going to pick Oregon. Everybody's, you know, everybody's going to pick Washington. I'm going to pick Oregon. And then, you know, the media picks Oregon, and I'm reading more and more people, and I'm like, well, I guess I'm, I'm not really uh, going out on a limb too far. Um, but I'm going to stick with it. I mean, Herbert coming back to me is is big. Um, they recruited well. They got the you know the number one recruit in the country on defense, Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, you know, Cristobal is a heck of a recruiter. We're, we're going to find out you know this year and in the next couple of years if he's as good a coach as he is a recruiter. Um, but he's recruited well, so I'm, I'm going to Oregon too. Um, I got Washington second because, as I said, I was back you know battling back and forth between them. Uh, but then I got Washington State three and, and Stanford four. I think Stanford's going to Stanford's going to struggle a bit. They're going to be good, but they have a tough schedule to start too. And I I just I don't I don't know they they lost some of their physical element last year. I'm not sure they can recapture that. You are doing a great job of talking through Archie's parking. And I'm I, really trying. I mean, there's a so uh, to give some some backstory because you know Archie's usually pretty good about what we're doing. So I have neighbors who moved in, and they okay. have a little tiny dog, uh, and this I little see. dog barks its head off whenever okay. whenever its people leave. Uh, and see. so I hear the people in the hall, which means they're at the elevator, which means they left. So yes. this little dog started yipping and barking, and so now Archie cannot help himself but to respond but to in kind. Yeah, yeah. And it's, no, I, you know, here's I, the I was thing. trying to just press on through it. Here's the thing. The nice thing about being us is that no one's listening at this point anyway. We've been recording for almost 20 minutes now, so no one cares. No one's going to ever hear that Archie barked, but it is a little frustrating because, you know. I was was trying to, you know, I was doing my best sports center anchor, like just, you know, yes, you've got other noise in your ear, but by God, you got to press forward and, and, you know, talk through it. Well, and you did a great job, better than I did. Um, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know, I'm only hearing it slightly in the background, but, uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on Stanford to, to, you know, to agree with what you were saying. Uh, I mean, they're gonna, I think they're gonna be good, but they didn't run the ball that well last year. Their defense wasn't that good, and I still think they're gonna have some of those same problems. Um, and, and you know, last year I remember both of us were way down on Washington State, and then they, you know, they won 11 games and and. But for a final game choke, they would have been in the conference title game. Um, and and so, uh, you know, I'm not going to totally discount the Mike Leach team again. I don't know if they can win the division, but they'll probably be in it to the end. So then, oh my God, he, now he's now with the scratching. Now with the scratching. I can't win. I can't win with this dog. I mean, he's my, be- he's my best canine friend in the world, but I just can't win with him. I got you. I um, got you. So then at the bottom... I went Cal, Oregon State, but if you told me, yeah. look, Jamar Jefferson's going to rush for, you know, twenty three hundred yards and they're going to yeah. win four yeah. games, I'd be like, eh, okay, whatever. I could see that. I, I mean, I think Cal's going to be Cal's going to be probably a lot of what they were last year. That you know, they Justin Wilcox has made them into a very good defensive team. Uh, I don't know if their offense can be much more explosive, but uh, you know, I could see them being a six or seven win team like they were last year. They made a bowl game last season, and I think kind of year again so I, I agree with you on that now let's 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 go back to Oregon because we both picked Oregon to win the north they start the year with the neutral site game against Auburn huge it, game for the Pac-12 the, I was gonna say the single most important game for the conference probably is at least early in the year you know week one the chance what do you think do they win that game 
I'm going to say yes because they have to. This to yeah. me, if I am giving the speech, if, if it's my turn to give the Newt Rockney speech, yeah. what I say is similar to what Pete Rozelle told the Packers, uh, you know, at least the apocryphal story of what he told <laughs> the Packers going into the first game that became the Super Bowl. He said, you are going to win. And he didn't mean it in a, like, prediction way. He meant it as a threat. You are going to win because you don't have a choice. Everyone's depending on you. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's what you have to do at this point because, you know. It's important. I mean, it is. You know, Washington played them tough last year, and they played Auburn last year in the opener. Um, And they played them tough, but then we came to find that Auburn really wasn't as good as we thought. And we saw them in person and they won that game, but they, you know, they were a decent team, but they weren't the championship contender they were the year before, which of course means that this year probably Auburn is a championship contender because that's what they seem to do. Uh, when they have a great year, they never follow it up. But then when they come into a year without many people noticing, it's like, oh, wow, here comes Auburn and they win 10 games or 11 games and they win the SEC West. Um, but they're going to have a new quarterback, uh, probably a freshman. Either a true freshman or a redshirt freshman, it seems like those are the two guys competing. So certainly Oregon's got the advantage there. Um, it's you know not a tremendous home field advantage either way because it's in Dallas. So you know not tremendously close to Auburn. It's not like playing them in Atlanta. Um, uh, yeah, it, it feels like a game that Oregon needs to win. You know, certainly if they're going to make a run at the playoffs. And I think we haven't said it, but I think that, you know, both of us would probably agree that most realistic playoff contender in the Pac-12 is whoever wins the North. And so we're both thinking Oregon. So we're both probably saying they're the most realistic. Um, And and so it's it's important because, you know, I don't think they're going through undefeated. Um, So that win could carry them. If they finish 11 and one with a loss in conference, they got a pretty good argument probably to be in the playoffs. Especially if that one in conference is someone else in the North who right. also loses so that Oregon yeah. still wins the contest. Exactly. I mean, they're at Washington, obviously, you know, that's a big rivalry. And, um, you know, so that's that's a tough game for them. Um, and then the week after, they're Washington State at home. So, I mean, they're, they're, you know, their big swing could be that end of October. I'm looking at their schedule. October 19th at Washington, October 26th, home to Washington State. Then October 2nd at USC. We don't know what USC is going to be, obviously, but – that's a that's a pivotal swing for them, it seems like. Do you, because I know this is the sort of thing you care about, do you think that you get in Washington the Jacob Eason you wanted in Georgia? Um, probably not. I, I think he will be pretty good, but I'm I'm leery of that offense, honestly, and, and not against Chris Peterson, but that offense was pretty weak last year. And they, you know, they lost their play caller and, and uh, from the year before. Um, and so, I, yeah, I just, I'm not sure how good they're going to be. I think they're going to be really good defensively. They seem to have built a program that doesn't matter how many guys they lose. They have other guys to come in. Um, I, you know, I like Eason. I'll be rooting for him. And I wanted to pick them, but I'm just not totally sold that everything's going to come up, you know, aces for them. I think they'll be pretty good. Probably win nine or ten games, but very much like last year, you're going to feel like, where's that extra burst? And I don't know that they have it. It really feels like that's been sort of the last 
three, basically since Browning's freshman year of just like, well, you're really good, yeah, but you're not great. Since since about the two thirds mark in what was it? Browning's sophomore year is when they went to the playoffs, and they started the year. It was it was what 2016, the year that uh, that you came down to see UCLA, and that night they played Oregon and they crushed Oregon. Now Oregon wasn't that good that year. But I remember we were following that score at the at the UCLA game, and they, they put up like 70 points on them, and they had John Ross, and I mean, that, that was a good team. And then about November that year, they slowed down. Now, they still were good enough to get in the playoffs, but they got shut out. Or, or they didn't get shut out, but they got beat pretty soundly, I think, by Alabama. Um, and, and since then, it just feels like that offense has been stuck in just sort of average. They've had good players. They had a you know veteran quarterback. They had a great running back. And, and it just wasn't great. And I'm not sure that, that this is the year they're going to turn that ship around. Now, they do still have a Chris Peterson-led defense. And they do. They do. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that uh, what, Jimmy Lake, I think, is their defensive coordinator. He seems to be a you know, big-time assistant coach who could, you know, probably could be a head coach already somewhere if he wanted to be. Um, you know, so, that, yeah, they're, they're going to be good. Uh, and I think uh, – I mean, it was tough because, you know, you say Oregon plays at Washington, you tend to favor Washington to win that game. But the Pac-12 is is so even in a lot of ways that even if they do, could Washington lose two others? I I think so. Well, I mean, I think it's very easy to think Washington wins that game, but then they lose to Washington State and Stanford, and there you go. Possibly. Right, right. Now, the one thing you say there is Chris Peterson seems to have ownership of Mike Leach. Um, that is the, you know, if you're, if you're picking Washington state to do something big, you know, can they get over the hump? Cause he hasn't beat him since, since he got there. Um, so, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's an even division. I think, you know, if you wanted, if you told me Washington state or Stanford won it, I wouldn't be totally shocked, but I think it comes down to those two. I just think they're, they're slightly above those other two, but again, I, I don't want to ignore Washington state cause I made that mistake last year. We both, I think we both picked him to finish fifth. And that's just because Oregon State was supposed to be really bad, and they were. Um, and they, you know, again, up until the last week, they were the best team in the North. Let's flip over to the South. This, to me, look, it, it's the recency bias, but it's also the best predictor of what's coming next is what just happened. Sure. There was a lot of a pileup, and no one really pulled away. Utah, I mean, Utah wound up winning the division. But, yeah. You know, it, it was anybody's ball game with three weeks to go in the year, and, and I'm kind of feeling the same. I, so I'm going to go with. And here's what I'm picking: okay. Utah to win. They have four guys okay. on the first team All Pac-12 preseason defense. Two mm-hmm. in the two in the front four, two in the back four, and that is okay. a pretty solid combination of things. Oh, yeah. If you're building oh, a yeah. defense, um, they also have specialists. Like they do every year, at, right? Know, Always, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, Seems it, like every year they great kicker and punter. Yeah, so it gets annoying, but it's consistent. <laughs> um, it's what they do. They play defense and good special teams and run the ball, and yeah, it's it's a pretty good formula for them. Uh, I'm picking ASU back in second. Uh, okay, I'm excited about Eno. I'm excited about year two of the Danny Gonzalez defense. Me too. Me too. I am turning a blind eye to all of my fears about Merlin Robinson Robertson missing time, and uh, I'm going to pick him as my defensive player of the year. Uh, okay. 
I, maybe I'm misguided, but I, I think that our defense could be really good. And yeah. unlike other teams, I feel like if our defense is the top two or three defense in the conference, he is the star. Yeah, I agree. Of the defense. I, I, I wouldn't argue that. In third, this is where I get weird. This is where this is where my repeated bias comes into play. Mm-hmm. I, I'm picking Colorado third. Okay. I I just believe that, you know, Shaynault is probably the best receiver. Certainly in, one of, yes. You know? Yes. And he came out of nowhere, sure, but he's really he was great. good. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And Steven Montez, he's still there. Still there. He's a senior. Tenth year senior, I believe, or something like <laughs> that. But yes, he's still going. You know, last year he was uh what? You know, injured a lot, str- you know, yeah, struggled with things, but he's you know, he's been there. There's not a place he hasn't played, there's not a thing he hasn't seen. And yeah. I'm kind of oh, taking a, a and I'm kind of taking yeah. the Manny Wilkins approach with him where I just think look he's not probably an NFL quarterback and only a fool would have ever picked him as their dark horse Heisman winner. <laughs> um, gotcha. But I just think like they just have enough and there's a new coach and there's some buzz and Yeah. Yeah. You know, can, you know, they get the altitude games there, there's enough stuff to get them there. Um, I got you. Okay. Okay. In, my, my number four is USC. Um, okay. They have talent upon talent upon talent. Yeah. As they always do. They're, the coaching issues I think are real and the start is tough. I agree with you, but Oof, yeah, but the games you, you know, of the six games you listed, there's their non-conference, you know, Notre Dame's in there. True. And, and True. so I just think even if they can weather the storm, this, this to me has the makings of what happened when Clay Helton took over is the team struggles <laughs> yeah. early. They, they terminate the coach. The new coach comes in, the schedule gets a lot lighter <laughs> yeah. and all of a yeah, sudden good. they, they end the year rolling off four straight victories could and be. you know, could they're good be. enough to be, you know, six and three in the South. Okay. Uh, then I've got Arizona fifth, Okay. I, I think that Colin Schooler could win the defensive player of the year. He had 119 yeah. tackles at linebacker there last year. J.J. Taylor's a good running back. And, you know, I, I saw in the athletic roundtable that a number of people thought the most interesting player yeah. is Khalil Tate. And I, yeah. I think that's true. I mean, you know, yeah. what is he going to be? Two years ago, we were hearing, uh, we don't know. And then la- going into last season, it was like, this guy's a Heisman candidate. Heisman I, front runner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, then much like the USC receiving core, it was all we heard was he's going to transfer. He's going to transfer. He's yeah, gonna transfer. exactly. And yeah. he didn't. And he's still there. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And then I have UCLA last. And I think okay. that it's possible Chip Kelly, the Chip Kelly experience is a bust. I think you're probably. I, I think there's a decent chance you're right about that. Um, well, okay, I'll, I'll go in. I'll go in reverse order because um, I, I don't disagree with you too much. Honestly, I'm not going to go too far away from where you were. Few here and there. Um, I got Arizona last, partly biased, I'm sure, but um, I just I don't think Kevin Sumlin's that good of a coach. In all honesty. Uh, and and I don't think Noel Mazzoni's that good of an offensive coordinator. We saw that, you know, firsthand 
Um, I don't think they're going to get the most out of Khalil Tate. I think Khalil Tate probably wouldn't still be there if he had been in position to graduate. He would have gone elsewhere, but I think he was stuck. You know, he's only got one year left of eligibility, and so it's a it's a marriage of of necessity. Um, so I'm I've got them last. I've got UCLA fifth. Kind of agree with you. That I, I'm just I think we I think I said this to you last year. I know I thought it. Um, I wonder if Chip Kelly, you know, all the innovations that Chip Kelly brought to football when he was at Oregon, everybody's doing them now. You know, the spread offense, this, the sports science, all that stuff. And I'm not sure he's as cutting edge as he used to be because people have kind of caught up to the things that he did at Oregon that were so unique back then. Um, they have a you know new quarterback, although, I mean, I'm assuming it'll be Thompson Robinson who played some last year. Uh, but I just don't think they're that good. Their recruiting has been really bad. Uh, and he never recruited at a hugely great level at Oregon. He, you know, he got the most out of guys. Well, the other but thing, this, which you know, goes to your point, is at Oregon, when he was the only guy doing the system, it's like, yeah, pull a Marcus Mariota. Right. Because everyone's right, like, exactly. oh, who's this undersized Hawaiian who's this kid? this guy from Hawaii? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and so, I mean, look, it, it was great at Oregon. Um, but I just wonder if in the time that since he left, which hadn't been that long, but you know, five, five years or so since he left Oregon, did the college football world catch up a bit? And certainly in year one, it looked like they did. So we'll see. Um, fourth, I got USC as well. Uh, I don't know that Clay Helton survives the season. Um, you know, he seems like a guy who's considered a pretty darn good guy, but I'm not sure he's that good of a coach. Well, um, and that's and again, kind of how he got the job. Is they is, needed somebody who was, yes, you know, just a safe name and, yeah. and you know a friendly face, and yeah, they were calm, coming off the embarrassment of Sarkeesian. They wanted calm uh, waters, and and yes, he got that yes. to the program. That you know, and he did, yeah. But I, I just I don't know that he is that up to it. And I mean the you know what Lynn Swan said at the end of the year, and I know Lynn Swan has taken a lot of slings and arrows and deservedly. But when he, you know, he compared them to Notre Dame, it's an interesting comparison because certainly, you know, two years ago it was a disaster for Notre Dame, um, and everybody wanted Brian Kelly out, and he made a lot of changes. He brought in some new assistants. He changed how he approached things, and the last two years they've been really good, including you know last year going twelve and zero and getting in the playoff. Um, and so, I, you know, I found that interesting. But the difference is that Brian Kelly had more of a success track record you know prior the, the 2016 year oh well, yeah 2016 was was a disaster unmitigated disaster at Notre Dame but prior to that you know in 2015 they had been in the Fiesta Bowl in 2012 they had been in the national championship game so he had done some things to earn that mulligan and I don't know that Clay Helton has shown he's that good of a coach um but I, I you know look if Lynn Swan turns out to be right, I hope he goes on a victory lap and says, I told y'all. Because everybody's always in a hurry to fire the coach, and maybe he knows something we don't. I just don't honestly believe that's the case. And I'm not sure that JT Daniels is as good as everybody billed him to be. Uh, you know, he was supposed to be this wonderkind, and, and you know, watched him last year. And Granted, he should have been a high school senior. They may have mentioned that a time or two during one of their games on TV. Um, I but, thought I'd heard that. Yeah, yeah, you know, but I just, I don't know, I didn't see special. Looked okay, you know, I mean, he didn't look like he was terrible, but I watched him and never saw, like, wow, this guy is electric. Well, it wasn't like, it wasn't even like Barkley when he started as a freshman, you're like, oh, I get it, 
Okay. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, look, every freshman struggles some. I mean, you know, Trevor Lawrence had a couple of games where he didn't play that well. And he ended up playing great at the end. Um, you know, it's that's part of being a freshman. But, yeah, I, I mean, I watched him and just like, like eh. Uh, he looked okay, but didn't look great. So I got them fourth. I, I also had Colorado third. So that's why I didn't argue with much of what you said there. Because, honestly, I, I agreed with most of what you said. I mean, they have a veteran quarterback. Uh, you know, Mel Tucker brings brings the, you know, Georgia defensive scheme, which he was pretty successful there. Uh, you know, he's a guy who's been in the NFL. He's coached a lot of different places. So I'm, I'm interested to see what he does. Um, I've got Utah second and ASU first. I'm going to call me a homer. Maybe I am. But I've got ASU, and, and you know, we haven't done our game by game yet. But I think they win nine, maybe ten, and that's enough to win the division. Oh my goodness! I hope you're right. I, you know, I mean, I may be a total fool for saying that. I, I concede that I'm, you know, I'm picking a team that's going to start a quarterback who, at best, has one career start. Um, and in my prediction, Ooh. if I'm doing prediction, I don't think that guy's going to be the starter. I'm thinking Jaden Daniels will be. Yeah. Um, that seems so to be the I, buzz from all of the people who haven't seen anything since spring. Uh, <laughs> it does, yeah, which is always always interesting uh, how that stuff happens. But a lot of times it turns out to be re- reliable, you know. Uh, uh, and so we'll we'll see. But I, I may be way wrong, and it's possible by week four or five I'm going to be thinking, oh, my God, what, what did I do with that prediction? Um, but, I, you know, like we were talking about last week, and that's really where this came about. As we talked last week, and I was kind of going through the schedule, and I'm thinking – I don't see a portion of that schedule that looks horribly brutal. And and so I'm thinking with as a lot of the things you said, I think defense is going to be pretty good. Not great, but pretty good. I think we'll be able to, you know, get enough out of the offense that the quarterback should get better as time goes on, you'd hope. Well, and the and, O-line should be a strength offensively. Yes, whoever yes. the quarterback is, you would expect that the combination of Eno Benjamin coming back and the offensive line being – five senior starters and yeah. two senior backups um, should be able to give the, that quarterback all the time in the world in the pocket. Yes. Agreed, Especially if agreed. you play action. And, and I mean, you know, really, you know, I remember last year, well, what was it? Two years ago, Graham's last year. And we ended up winning what? Seven or eight games that year. Seven, I think. Yeah. But you looked at the schedule and it was like, Whoa, where, you know, this, this looks brutal. Um, this schedule really isn't, you know, we don't play Washington and we don't play Stanford. So two of those four heavyweights in the North we were just talking about, we don't play them. And the other two we get at home, Oregon and Washington State. Uh, so our, our out-of-division road trips are Cal and Oregon State. Those don't appear to be that tough a task. Not saying we're going to, you know, just be able to breeze through them because road games in the Pac-12 are always tough for us. I mean, Jamar Jackson is going to run for like a thousand yards that game. Probably, you know, I mean, he did last year at, at Sun Devil Stadium. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I certainly don't misinterpret me saying, you know, oh, we'll just be able to roll through those games, no sweat. But if you're going to have two North Division road games, wouldn't you choose Cal and Oregon State as the games to play? Oh, yeah. I mean, comparatively. And you're going to play two teams from the North. That's the way the schedule is. Yeah, look. You got Arizona schedule, at home. I agree with you. The breaks are the right breaks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you got, you got you know, three of your South games at home because Arizona's at home. Um, you, you know, going to Utah's tough. That's that's a difficult road trip. 
But you um, can lose that game if Utah and loses. And still win the division. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you don't have to beat them to win the division. And for perfect evidence, they didn't beat us last year, and they won the division. So, you know, that's the way it is. I mean, I, I don't think the winner of the South is going to have less than two losses in conference, and it may be three. Um, and, and so, I, you know, I don't expect us to run through and go 12-0 and 0 or 11-1, and 1, but I think there's enough there and, and, a, and a soft start. The first two games appear to be extremely soft, and then the first two conference games, not too bad. Home to Colorado, at Cal, not a real horrible, you know, horribly tough start. Then you got to buy after that, I believe, and then you get Washington State at home. So, I mean, the first six games, not bad. Uh, and if you can come out of those first six at, at four and two or better, then it's, you know, then you got UCLA on the road. Again, not too bad of a place. Utah's tough. And then you got a November stretch where you got three out of four at home with the only road game being Oregon State, which, again, you know, yes, has been a terribly horrible place for us in the past, especially in November. But all in all, not a bad draw to get. So, that's why I'm going with it more so than anything else. Is it just it feels like the schedule lines up okay for us? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I hope it works out that way. I mean, we'll see. You know, I, I, I uh, again, is it is it possible that uh, you know, looking ahead and that Friday night game at Cal, um, if we've you know already got a couple losses and we go up there and lay an egg, and I'm thinking, oh my God, what did I do picking this team to win the South? They're going to be lucky to make a bowl. Um, but you know, that's, that's the thing you can do in late July. Dream big. Yeah. Um, so my, I, I made picks. I don't know if you did for players of the year and my dark horse candidates. Um, okay. I could do that. So I've got Herbert and Merlin Robertson as my defensive player of the year and offensive player of the year. And then two guys, and maybe this is my South bias, but I, I think Chenault is my second pick for offense. Okay. And Colin Schooler is my second pick for defense because I really believe that he could win the award and they could be terrible because he yeah. might be the only one to make a tackle on that defense. <laughs> he might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's that's fair. Um, I'd probably go Chenault as offensive player of the year. Uh, I think he's going to have a great year. I mean, he's just we saw how tough he is to stop. You know, when we played him last year. Um, defensive, I, you know, I'd probably go with same as yours, honestly, with Merlin Robertson. Um, I think he's, you know, he's the, I read the Danny Gonzalez interview and I, I almost, you know, texted you about it during the week, the whole thing with Haller, you know, he was very positive about Robertson. There was no hint of, of, you know, problems or question marks or anything. And so I'm going to, I'm going to just presume that the off season was the off season and we're here now and he's the guy and they're going to play him at middle linebacker and all is well remain calm as, as the great Chip Diller said. I'm going to believe that that's actually true in this case for now. Yeah. Uh, you would, you would hope. That, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. But we'll see. Who's your, who's your coach of the year? So this was hard for me. And I think because as I, the, the my ultimate pick is going to be Tucker because okay. Okay. the media picked them to finish dead last in yeah. the South. You always look for a team that overachieves expectations. And so, so if they get to third and are, you know, even five and four in conference, but if they, could you imagine if that team went eight and four? 
in the regular season, yeah. they'd give him that award yeah. in a heartbeat. Probably so. Probably so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a solid pick. I'm gonna uh, based on my pick to win the South. I'm gonna pick Herm because I feel like if we do win the South, that again is is overachieving expectations, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna go Herm Edwards. He's also beloved, which goes a long way in media votes. It's the same thing as if Wazoo were to win the North. I think they'd give it to Leach. Yes, yes, I agree. You know, so yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. Obviously, Um, but you know, so here's here's another one. It's not so much about the Pac-12 per se, but a, a key player and the guy who you picked to be your offensive player of the year. Where do you see Justin Herbert as an NFL draft prospect? Does he go super high? Does his stock take a hit? Where where are we talking about him next April? I think that maybe I'm crazy, and I haven't looked into this in a great detail yet, but I think that he could be uh, like Jones from Duke. And just, you know, some people think he's great, and some people think that whoever drafts him, if it's not in round three, they're morons. (laughs) Possible, you know, possible. He's, yeah, yeah, he's the same size as Rob Johnson for whatever that's worth. He is. He's a he is big guy, but a good athlete. You yeah, know I mean, he he's, not move, statue, he's not a statue. But. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I, I'm curious. You know, because it's always interesting when a guy and he was getting a lot of positive buzz last year, and he didn't come out, and now there's going to be more eyeballs on him. He's, you know, it's always always curious when a guy chooses to come back after he probably could be a first round pick probably would have been um maybe would have gone you know top 10 who knows maybe he goes ahead of daniel jones maybe he goes ahead of haskins if he comes out um now there's going to be more focus on him and there's going to be more nitpicking of him um if they do win the north and you know he has a good game against auburn and they get to the title game and especially if they would make the playoff that'll help him i think but if they underachieve and go eight and four, you know you could be talking about him going actually in round three or something like that, and then it's going to be, boy, did he make a mistake coming back? Well, it becomes the you know the thing we talked about with Leinert. Yes. Who didn't? I mean, yes. look, Leinert didn't fall terribly far. No, I mean, God, they he, went undefeated and lost in a you know heroic championship game. But he that, would you know, have been were, the number one pick had oh, he come yeah. out the year before. So. Probably so. I think I think he would have. Yeah, and, and I mean, Leinert's an example of, uh, to me, an even an even better one, or uh, you know, more relevant. I guess is, is Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley probably wouldn't have gone number one overall, but probably would have gone first round in that draft. It was the draft with Luck and Griffin, and that was a stacked quarterback draft. But I think he would have probably gone first round, and instead he comes back, doesn't play well, gets hurt. That didn't help. You know, hurts his shoulder the last game of the year. And ends up going fourth round and never really, you know, I mean, he's still in the NFL, but he's bounced around. He's been a journeyman, you know, well, nowhere mean, close to what you would have thought. I mean, the lesson, the other lesson is Christian Hackenberg. Freshman yes. year, God, yes. can we get this guy out into the Number draft? Number one pick? overall, yep, yeah. yep, you're right, yeah. You know, yeah. and by and, the time you stick around long enough, it's uh, the Harvey yeah. Dent in Batman. Either you go out the hero, or you, you yeah, stay long yeah. enough to become the villain, and that's that's kinda... right, that's right, and and that's the thing with Herbert this year is people are gonna be nitpicking him now, you know, because now he's the name. Now you read all the draft lookaheads, and it's and it's him and Tua and Jake Fromm. Those are the names here every place, and so you know, all three of those guys will have their flaws nitpicked more than they were last year, and they all have flaws, 
Um, and, you know, for Herbert, he hasn't really delivered, uh, you know, a big win yet. Um, you know, the, and, and he's got a chance right away, week one. You know, signature win, great performance would be huge for him. But if he goes out and it's just average and they lose to Auburn, a lot of people are going to be turning on him quick. Yeah, I think so. That would be a fascinating game. Week one's not as good this year as it has been recently, but that's a that's a really fascinating game for both programs. Because Auburn's, you know, and we'll talk SEC the next time we talk, but Auburn's entering a pivotal season for their coach and what happens from here. To give you all a little bit of a preview of where we're going, uh, since no, I mean, look, if you're still listening, please, then you want this preview because you're dedicated. Yeah. Please yeah. know that we appreciate you. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know who you are. You're probably a bot and not a person. But, but I appreciate you. Yeah. And Matt appreciates you. Oh, I do. Without a doubt. Where we're going from here is the college football overall preview, which includes the other four Power Five conferences. Some might argue yes. the four Power Five conferences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Last couple of years it's been that way. Uh, and then we'll give you our playoff picks, our end of year picks. Then we're going to, ch- you know, shift over transition to the NFL. Yes. We're going to yes. do uh, our NFL preview and then circle back the week before, uh, ASU's home opener and yes. talk about our week by week game by game breakdown right. for ASU. That's right. Which, which we've kind of sort of touched on a little this week, but, uh, you know, reserve the right to change with, uh, three or four weeks in between practice reports and things like that injuries um you know we could we could view things different all these things you know put an asterisk by it it's, it's still early july nobody's practiced yet if uh you know justin herbert gets injured and goes out for the season in august practice i may change my mind on that washington pick yeah well and i'm gonna be very honest with you if i got it right i meant it and if i got it wrong i was kidding we did it too early yeah. right right yeah <laughs> I got you. I got you. Well, you know, we can always uh, revisit these in that week before if there's anything we want to amend, correct, whatever. But, uh, but yes, uh, I, I am looking forward to the rest. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk playoff. We'll talk Heisman next week. Uh, you know, i, I got to see if I can get back on the horse with my Heisman picks. Last couple years, not as good. Uh, you know, I, I, Lamar Jackson, Jameis, they're, they're kind of in the, in the past now. i got to try to... Uh, right my wrongs a little bit well if montez wins the heisman this year then i'll go back to owning my montez pick oh sure (laughs) sure yeah yeah i i I, i'm trying to think last year i picked patterson that was i mean they weren't horrible patterson wasn't a horrible pick and stidham wasn't a horrible pick but they they weren't anywhere close to actually winning so i uh i saw both of them that's part of it we did we did, yeah. Yes, like yes, part of did. me thinks I have to pick Tua because uh, ideally, knock on wood, I'm going to yeah. see Tua this year. Well, yes, yes, and and uh, I'll give you. A, well, say I'm not picking Tua. Uh, I'd love it if Tua won, but I'm not going to pick him. I, you know, and I think he'll have a good year and, and maybe a great year. But I'm going a little bit further outside the box. Well, you'll get to hear that. That's a te- that's what we in the business that's call a teaser. Professional tease. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come back next week. Find out who my eyes are. Until then, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.